Church. Um, my name is Drew Mines, and I uh, actually lead the Blue Ridge Church of Christ with my uh, wonderful wife, Jennifer. And uh, we are uh, happy to be here this morning with the New River Valley region um, to be able to worship together. I see, I think I saw in the mid-60s here, 62 people, so 62 screens at least. As I know some of you are worshiping together in bubbles, but it's great to be able to be together. Of course, uh, Christiansburg, Blacksburg, Radford are all close to my heart because um, I went to school at Tech um, and I lived in Blacksburg in two different places. I got robbed there uh, multiple times, which is exciting, and um, never got robbed in Christiansburg, though. But we lived in Christiansburg. Um, we left the door unlocked, so it was really our fault, you know. Yeah, we were asking for it, I guess. But um, I lived in Christiansburg at the 10 brother household there that used to be a Jewish fraternity, but we went in there and said, this is our place now. So we had 10 brothers living there. I think 11 at one point. Uh, one brother was in the attic. Uh, poor Josh Benton. We put him up there, but he was the smallest, so it made sense. But anyway, uh, I love New River Valley, love the church, love being together. Without further ado, we'll be in Colossians this morning. So hop over to the book of Colossians. And what we're doing is actually uh, we're going to be preaching. I'm going to be preaching basically on what New River's been studying out uh, recently, uh, which is spiritual disciplines. And then Ben's going to preach Luke is what the book has been studying out. So we're doing a little little home and home series here with UVA and Tech, if you will, kind of one home game, the other home game. So uh, kind of encouraging, encouraging to do that. So anyway, good to see New River here. Welcome. A, a great welcome from the Blue Ridge. And uh, we'll be talking about spiritual disciplines here. I'm going to share my screen uh, and it's going to be hard because I won't be able to see any of you anymore, but um, I would trust that you're there. Uh, so I'll share my screen and uh, we'll continue. So we'll start in, in Colossians uh, chapter one and um, we will begin in verse 15. I'm going to pull that up myself. And uh, if you don't know what spiritual disciplines are, it's really just the idea of spiritual growth. Um, about 40% of Americans, pretty crazy stat, have had some kind of born-again experience in their life, some kind of conversion experience in Christianity. But many of those people, as you know, don't actually see a discernible difference between their life and the life of those in the world. And that happens quite a bit. Um, some people call it the sanctification gap. It's the gap between conversion and then actually being made holy, being looking like Jesus, right? And it actually, it's actually a great source of insecurity for a lot of Christians because we want, we want to look like Jesus immediately. We want, to, we want all the sin to be gone. We want the addictions out the window. We want to just be, we're in, bang. And sometimes when we come into the family of God, we get quite discouraged if we begin to see that that growth isn't so immediate. Um, and so we'll, we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. And, and what I think is really the secret to spiritual growth. Um, and uh, Colossians holds that secret. And I think it's a fabulous book to read if you want to study this out more. We're going to jump around a little bit this morning, but begin in verse 15 of Colossians chapter one, a beautiful passage. Uh, and I'll begin reading here. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, 
and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the church, the body. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm and not move from the hope held out by the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. One of the great paradoxes, one of the great mysteries of the gospel is the idea that if you've repented and been baptized, you are saved, but you're also not. Is the idea that when you come to Christ in faith, you have all you need, but you also don't. Holding those two ideas together is difficult because it's easy to go one, go too far to the one side or too far to the other. And that's what Paul does here in this, right? He says, Jesus is the the image of the invisible God. He is everything that we need. In verse 21, he has now reconciled you. It's done. He's brought you back. He saved you. That's great. We're done, right? No, if you continue in the faith. Okay, but I thought he already saved me. But you got to continue. Well, hold on. You also can't shift from the gospel. You got to stay in the gospel. And so it's this beautiful balance, like most things in our world, right, is a balance between the reality of what Jesus has already done, informing now what we must for certain do in our life. If we go too far one way, grace becomes a license. We know that God saved us, so who cares what I do? Let me just go sin it up, right? We go too far the other way. We're performance-driven, we're guilty all the time, we're burdened, and we're burnt out, and we're self-reliant because we think we have to do enough to be able to be accepted by Christ. Perhaps some of you are on one side or the other, but the goal with spiritual discipline is to hold both those things in harmony. Uh, And the title of my lesson this morning is actually, actually comes from, from a dear friend. We're actually up in Harrisonburg this morning. I'm upstairs in the Harrisonburg house church is downstairs. Um, which is cool. But we actually, what I did for the first time in my life was yesterday, I went out and I went to target practice and I, and I went shooting and I went to go shoot targets. Okay. And, and what, um, what one of the, one of the members here, one of the uh, folks in the church, Maria said is that you got to aim small so that you'll miss small. Well, that's the idea that if you aim at something specific, you won't miss by very much, but if you uh, aim at something large, you're liable to miss the whole thing, right? So if you aim at a barn, you might miss the barn. But if you aim at the little speck right in the middle that you can see the little dark speck, you, you won't miss by, by very much. And, and so that is the title of my lesson this morning is to aim small so that we will in fact miss small. Um, it's also was a kind of a, a plot, I think, uh, cornerstone in the movie, The Patriot. So if you saw that, you kind of know what I'm talking about. But we don't like to aim small, miss small. To be honest, um, we are a generation, especially if you're under 35, of aiming big 
and missing big. <laughs> it's our favorite thing to do, I think. But I think maybe most young people prefer that. Um, we're idealists. We 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 see a big gospel, and and you know, and, and sometimes that's what our our problem uh, is as we approach what it is to be a Christian. You know, when I was a kid um, with my brother, um, some of you know my brother. He went to Tech as well. To to Hokies graduated, though he went to Georgia Tech, so he kind of claims. Georgia Tech is more of his, you know, alma mater, but you know, it's uh, neither here nor there. Um, but uh, my brother and I, one of our one of our, our favorite things to do, uh, would go to a, a pizza place, a pizza joint, and of course, every pizza joint had a an arcade. And uh, in order to play the games, you had to have coins. You had to have quarters. Um, that doesn't help when your dad is like the uh, you know financial uh, head of the church and probably the most. Um, conservative financial person you'll ever meet so my dad would give my brother and I enough coins for one game uh for one game and so we would go in there with our precious coins and we would check and maybe this is what poor people do but we would check the coin the the, the coin return in every arcade game like okay did anyone leave coins behind maybe we can like get some extra coins here we would always go to the same game we'd go to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the great the great game I would be Michelangelo and he would be Leonardo and, and, and it was fabulous but the problem with an arcade game, uh, especially if you have limited coins, is that you see this screen at some point, which is you you die. And in order to continue, you have to put more coins in the machine. Now, when you only get enough tokens for, for one game, um, you really only play level one like a million times. Like I have level one memorized because I played level one a thousand times because we never actually got to level two. Uh, because you play one game and you go and you sit next to dad and you wait to leave. And next time you're at the pizza joint, you get 50 cents again and, and then you play, right? Um, but I think sometimes this is kind of how it is with spirituality. And even in verse, um, verse 23 says, if you continue in your faith. It's a big if. It's a, it's a statement that hinges on, this is, yes, th- this is true. But if, but if you continue in your faith. And that's, that's kind of a scary if, um, because a lot of us go, well, can I do it? Do I have enough tokens, right? Can I, can I get past level one? And a lot of times spiritually, you just get people who may have been Christians for 10 years, but they really just been playing level one for 10 years. Um, they haven't really advanced to the meat of the gospel. They haven't really advanced to the mature things of the gospel. Now that's emotionally. And I know for me, I was emotionally stunted for a long time. Uh, in my growth, I feel like the first 10 years of my faith, I don't think I was still playing level one in my emotions. I might, I might have just got to level two actually recently. I don't know. But but I think growing up in in the faith, it's easy to think, well, I'm mature, but but are, are you really mature? Or you just been around a while. And spiritual discipline allows you to be able to, to advance, right, beyond just the elementary truths. One of the reasons I think we play level one is not because, you know, uh, I don't know, we don't have enough literal coins. It's because I think we're sometimes afraid that if we continue, um, that, that we will fail. Uh, how, how are your goals? Do you have any spiritual goals? You know, for a long time, I feared spiritual goals because I, I feared the inevitable failure of them. Uh, that if I have a goal, then I'm going to fall short of that goal, or I could. And if I do, how will I deal with that? Um, it's better just not to have goals. It's better just to kind of be aimless. That way you can't. You know, better not have to have too high expectations. That way you can't really be let down. But the problem with that is that we end up being quite, quite aimless in our faith. Um, 
and, 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 and we don't really have any direction where we're going. And it leads to a ton of insecurity and it leads to a ton of infighting, division, disunity, anger, uh, and frustration and no real growth. Uh, one of the struggles as well, with I think one of the reasons we play level one a lot is I think we don't really even know where to start. Uh, I think for, for in the 60s, 70s and 80s, I think the gospel tended to kind of be distilled into a conversion gospel. Here's what you got to do to be saved and we'll figure out the rest later. Now, that it's probably not the, the best way to go about it, but it's a way. And the way that we go about it today too often is I think the gospel has become too big. The gospel is so big. This happened recently in some of our, our conversations with some young leaders across our region was what, what even is our purpose? And no one could decide. They're like, it's, it's serving the poor. And you don't know, you know, it's injustice, dealing with injustice. That's like, you know, it's converting people. No, no, it's helping addicts. No, no, it's helping people who are emotionally, uh, in, in emotionally uh, unhealthy. That's what it is. No, no, it's helping the elderly. No, you, only, you know what it is. Uh, it, it's learning scripture. And, and, is there, and the gospel got so big that everyone got paralyzed. They don't know what to do. Can't be unified. And, and you get so overwhelmed with where do I start? And, and it becomes this giant rock, this giant boulder that just seems like, how can I move it? And so one of the reasons I think we shy away from goals and shy away from spiritual disciplines is that we just don't know where to start. Uh, we don't know what to do. And even if we do start, we may, we, the other people in our Bible talk may not, they may not be starting on that same idea with us. And then everyone's going different directions and it causes great paralysis. Um, and it leads to aimless. Instead of aiming small and missing small, we are aimless. We, we don't have a purpose. And I think the last 12 months might have been the most aimless 12 months of any art. Maybe not you. But for most of us, our journeys spiritually have been very aimless. We don't know what we're aiming at. We don't know what we're, we're, we're doing. And we get into survival mode. We're just trying to make it through. Uh, we're just trying to survive. But the problem is, is that when you're, you're aimless, the, there's a gradual uh, deterioration that occurs. Uh, recently, a man, uh, actually a group of men did a survey of churches that had brought them in to look at them to say, hey, are we, are we a dying church? And the men would come in and they would, they would look and say, it does seem like the church is dying. I, I give it five years before the church is, is gone here. And in every situation, the people um, would, would deny it. They would, it's funny. They would bring in these consultants to tell them if their church was dying. And then when they told them, yes, in fact, you are dying, they would say, no, we're not. <laughs> and, and, they, and then they would say, and the consultants would give them reasons why they were, why they were dying as a church. And they would say, we, don't, we haven't noticed that. We haven't noticed it because, because deterioration, decay, falling away doesn't usually happen overnight. It's usually an imperceptible problem. It's usually so slow and gradual. It's like going back to your hometown and saying, everything's different. And people who have lived there go, what's different? It's, it's the same old place. But you go, no, remember the Wendy's that used to be there? Remember the Taco Bell? They're gone. I used to go there all the time. But, but. That when we're aimless, we're, we're dying spiritually. Um, and this isn't rocket science. Anybody in life that doesn't have a purpose, a clear purpose, what are you doing and why? All sorts of mental health issues, physical health issues, begin, you begin to co-opt other uh, 
missions in the world. But that was the issue in, uh, sorry, in Colossae. Colossae had an issue, the, the Colossian church had an issue because they were told that they were missing out on what it was to be a Christian because they weren't disciplined enough, that they had to fast and observe the Sabbath and not unlike what the Galatian church experienced when they were told they had to be circumcised and obey food laws in order to actually make it, you know, into salvation. And that's the other issue. The world is giving us a lot of good suggestions of what to get passionate about. And if you don't have your own passion that is divine, that is from God, that is biblical, then you become really easily, um, susceptible to suggestions <laughs> on, on what to care about. And then you go, oh, the world is com- concerned about this. Let me just jump on that train. Hmm, okay. I don't have goals of my own. I don't have passion of my own. Let me, f- oh, that sounds exciting. Let me pop on that. And it's super low friction because all I have to do is just type something and, and press enter on my social media page. And man, I have a purpose, but it's no real purpose. It's, it's, a, it's a fake purpose. And sure, there are purposes out there that are wonderful. I'm not saying that there are purposes out there that are all, they're not, you know, they're not murder rampages. I'm just saying that when we don't have a divine purpose, uh, we, we, we're just easily played by our culture and we're easily co-opted into doing what people around us are doing instead of having a direct line to what God wants us to do, okay? And when we think about this, and we think about being paralyzed. We think about chasing ghosts. So the other effect of it is that we, we begin to chase ghosts. Now, what does that mean? It means we begin to fight things that aren't there. It's amazing how in the last 12 months, I've had conversations with people who, and I felt the same way. You get something in your head like, I can't believe that, that this is happening or this person thinks this or I can't believe this. And, and, and you talk to them, actually talk to them. And you're like, wow, we're, we're doing fine. <laughs> no, one, no one thinks that. No, no one's doing that. Um, and you begin to beat others up and you begin to beat yourself up. Um, if we don't know what we're aiming at, it's like having a, a gun and playing, doing target practice and not knowing where you're shooting. Somebody's bound to get shot. Somebody's bound to get hurt. You don't know where you're aiming. You don't know what your purpose, you don't know what you're doing. And it's a simple thing, but it is a difficult thing to keep in, in mind. You know, we avoid goals because we don't want to fail. We avoid goals because we're nervous that, that, that you know, It'll maybe indicate that, that we are not enough or not good enough. And some of us are embarrassed because we've been stuck on level one in our purity for too long. We've been stuck on level one in our lack of forgiveness for too long. How you talk to your kids has been level one for too long. And we get, we get afraid. We go, but, but if, I, if I go after it and I fail, it's better just to avoid it. It's better just to be like, well, my kids are the worst and nothing can help them or just that person, I can't forgive them. And my purity is what it is. Everyone has, has impurity issues. I just, better just make excuses than to address the issue, which no one would ever do going to the doctor. You would never like a doctor who just made excuses. You're like, can I get a new doctor, please? Someone who actually has an answer, right? <laughs> Let's address the issue. But this is a perilous situation because you know as well as I, that the second you begin to address the issue, you're gonna, you, you don't want to fall too far over here into self-reliance and performance obsession. You don't want to fall too far over here where you're like, oh, I don't have to do anything. So how do we do both? Well, it's all about maintaining the right target. It's all about knowing where we're aiming. It's crucial. It's, it sounds small, but it is a crucial, a crucial distinction. 
And the challenge is to aim small. The challenge is, is to start small. Too often, I remember doing this once, I was like, I'm going to pray an hour a day. And I was telling this one sister and she was like, maybe you should start smaller because right now you're not really praying at all. Maybe an hour is a bit too lofty. And I was like, no, I can do it. And then a day went by and I was like, I failed and I quit. You know, it's like, well, that was real. It didn't really produce anything. It's really more for your ego. So you could tell somebody how radical you are, but you didn't really do anything. And we forget that the most radical thing we can do is not share our faith with a thousand people tomorrow. The most radical thing you can do is share with one person a week for the next thousand weeks. The most radical thing you can do is be consistent. Consistency, small, concentrated, the tiniest. I don't care how small it is. You're like, Drew, I can't journal three times a week. How about twice? Uh, How about once? Okay, once. That's awesome. Small, consistent pressure. Small, consistent fat. I can't fast once a week. How about once every two weeks? Okay, let's do it. I can't forgive him. Oh, but can you, can you, can you forgive her? I can forgive her. Well, let's start there. Layups, baby steps, just get on the track and you'll be amazed when you're celebrating. I did it. I was able to journal. I was able to forgive. I was able to, and then you look back and you go, wow, look how far God has brought me. You know, when we aim small, We're able to grow more than we ever thought imaginable. Organic growth, plant something in the garden. Organic growth doesn't happen overnight. Our problem is that we get baptized. We want to beat level one. We want to beat the game now. My brother and I used to think 50 cents. 50 cents was enough to beat the game. We can do it this time. You know what ended up happening was we just ended up losing. And then I would say it was your fault. And he would say, well, no, it was my fault. And I was like, well, no, it's your fault. And then we'd get angry and my dad wouldn't give us any more coins anyway. So I was like, well, what happens is, is we, you think you can beat the game in one sense, but you can't, right? Like, and then you just begin blaming people. Like, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's the church I go to. It's the worship. It's that dreaded Zoom. I just, if there was no Zoom, I would be a great Christian. And you start blaming everything around you instead of focusing on the most important ministry that you have, your character. Your character is the most important ministry that there is right? Not converting people and not, dare I say it, not overturning systems of injustice out in the world. That is not your primary ministry. Those are good ministries. Your primary ministry, your most important ministry is your character. It's your character. Small growth in our own character. What it is to be a disciple is what it is to grow. Because if we do anything else, we, we, we risk becoming that dreaded word we all hate, hypocrite. We risk becoming two-faced. You know, and, and later on in this, in this chapter, as we continue on, look, look at chapter 3, verse 5. you got to be specific, Colossians 3. we got to aim small. You know, and it says in verse 5 of chapter 3 in Colossians, therefore put to death. You know, whenever a therefore is there, you should ask what it's there for, Okay. There's a therefore there in verse five. What's it there for? Well, because we know that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Therefore, what? What? Well, let's get specific, right? Our theology informs our practice. Verse five, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Let's get specific. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust. Those three are kind of the same thing. So we're getting specific, right? Right evil desires. That's okay. Greed, 
which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the way you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all, all of these anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old, old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of our creator. Crucial. You know what the difference between us and the world is? Because the world's doing this. The world's doing self-help. The world's doing yoga. The world's doing dieting and intermittent fasting. There's some of them are, doing, are fasting better than we are, right? The world's doing these things. What's the difference? Well, they're doing it to be a better person. We're doing it to get to know Jesus, which is the trick, which is the secret. If you're aiming at Jesus, you won't mind that you failed. If you're aiming at being a better person, failing will destroy you because it will indicate that you are not good enough. But when you aim at Jesus, look at it says, the image. That's verse 15, back in chapter one. He's the image of the, he's the, he's the icon. He's the image. He's the purpose. He's the firstborn. He is, he is everything. He's why we, you don't fast to be a better at fasting. You fast to get to know and focus your desires on Jesus, on being like Jesus, on knowing what it is to be forgiven by Jesus. You are a human being, not a human doing, right? It's not what, it's not about what you should do. It's about being with Jesus. That's, that's the purpose. doesn't mean we don't get specific. It actually allows us to get specific. When you are striving to be like Christ, we can talk about your deepest, darkest secrets because, hey, it's about Jesus. It's not about me. I'm the, I'm the worst. But, hey, I'm trying to be like Jesus. And Jesus was rejected in the garden. Jesus was, was alone. Jesus had mental health struggles. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus had bumpy relationships. And it's amazing that that little thing allows us to be specific and to focus on our character. In other words, the why is very important in terms of aiming small and missing small. Right. And Jesus aimed small, didn't he? Jesus aimed small when he saved the world. You go, what? How? How do you aim small when you save the whole world? Well, like this, Galatians 2. Jesus loved me and died for me. When you became a disciple, was it because Jesus saved the world or because he saved you? When you became a disciple, was it because Jesus forgave the world or because he forgave you? Most, I would say most of us, it was because he forgave me. It was personal. When Jesus is on the cross, he says, forgive the Romans, specifically those Romans right there. Forgive them. Take care of my mom. Not your mom. Take care of my mom. John, this disciple, this sorry, disciple, this brigand, this thief next to me, you're with me in paradise. Jesus was specific. He was small. And in being small, we can move mountains. Aiming small can move mountains in ways that we probably never thought was possible. And we're like that kid. I don't know if you remember this. We're like that kid at the arcade game with the stack of quarters. You don't even get in line behind that kid because you're like, I'm not going. This guy's got this guy's got this game for hours. We got the stack of quarters. We're able to keep playing until we get to level two because it doesn't matter if we play level one 100 times. We'll get there when we get there. Organic growth might be slow, but that's okay because it's organic. It's real. <laughs> I'd rather have real growth than fake growth. Give me the slow, consistent small, tiny growth. I don't care if it's the smallest little thing. 
you say, Drew, it's embarrassing to, to, to have a goal that small. It's embarrassing. You know, I used to say to people who are like, I can't come to church. I used to be like, can you come for 10 minutes? They'd be like, yeah. Be like, do that. Better than nothing, right? And they're like, okay, you know. <laughs> and it's like, just why is it embarrassing? Come, just do something. Do something small and you can move mountains, right? A river cuts through rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. Water is the, is the, it's nothing, right? No force, but water over time, constant, every second, every minute, every day can actually cut through rock, can move mountains because it's consistent, it's repeatable, it's, you can observe it, you can get accountability. I also love back in chapter one, it says, Christ is the head of the body. You're not doing this alone, by the way. You're doing this with others. And when you're able to be persistent together, right, you're able to do incredible things, right? It's, it's, it's all of us actually being small, aiming small together. You know, some people say it's being a Christian is um, long obedience in the same direction. That's what we're doing. It's a long obedience in the same direction. I don't know when we'll be back in person. I don't know who the president is going to be. I don't know where I'll be, but I know I'm going to obey for a long time in that same direction. And if, if that anchors all of us and we're all of the same accord, we actually will be able to address the big gospel. You go, but Drew, what about the poor? Some of you have great gifts with the poor. Let that be you that aims small and you can help me to aim small with you. Maybe there are those of you who are great at sharing your faith. You're great at forgiving. Some of you are like, you know your feelings before they even pop into that little heart of yours. You are so emotionally intelligent and you need to help me out. When we all are able to aim small together, we're all able, we're doing, able to see the whole gospel brought into the world. That's the beauty of, of the, the church. And not to look down on other people. Not to say you are focusing on on that ministry. Oh, you know, like my ministry of focusing on this demographic is we're all doing this together. We're all aiming small together, long obedience, you know, in the same direction. And to close out, don't ever forget the power of aiming small. You know, Rahab aimed small when she decided to house two spies in her home, thus allowing promised land to be given to the people of God. And she's listed in Hebrews chapter 11 as a hero of the faith. She aimed small, but God worked and moved mountains through her aiming small. You know, you think about Andrew who aimed small when he just said, you know what, I'm going to bring my, my silly brother, Simon Peter, to go meet Jesus. He aimed small. It was a small thing, but he didn't know he was bringing the rock on which Christ would build his church. The man who would give the first sermon in Acts chapter two. You know, think about Lydia, who aimed small when she said, hey, Paul, why don't you come over to my house here in Philippi? She didn't know that she would become the, the location of the, 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 the most unified and loving church in the New Testament just because she began to host a church in her home. Just hospitality, small thing. You know, all these, when we aim small, God moves mountains. You know, Landon Doyer aimed small when he just asked his friend Chris Guerra on the JMU dodgeball team if there was a Bible study he could get involved with. And now next years later, how many lives have the Doriers touched, right? When Landon aimed small, right? We think about uh, Karen Flores' friend who said, hey, maybe you should get hooked up with a UVA campus ministry. Years ago, it was, it was aiming small. They just said, go, go get connected. 
and that, that saw the UVA campus ministry go from two to 20 in a matter of just a couple years. Aiming small, God can use anyone and anything just through small acts of consistent, deliberate faith. It was uh, aiming small. Maybe you don't feel that way, some of you, but it was aiming small a few years ago when you parents decided we're going to commit to living in Charlottesville and beginning a youth and family ministry. We want Charlottesville for the first time in 20, 25 years to have a blossoming, burgeoning, healthy youth and family ministry. And, and look at it now. Some of you guys are worshiping together in person. Look at where it's come. I don't want anyone here to ever forget the power of aiming small. Don't make it about yourself. Small acts of faith. God will work. And if we all do that together, if we all live together and focus on our character, we aim small, we do it together, and we don't ever quit. We don't ever give up. The Lord's words will come true as he says, rivers of living water will flow from within you. When your character is your focus, you will turn over systems of injustice in our world. When your character is, in fo is your focus, you will convert people. When your character is your focus, you will grow in humility, you will serve, and you will do amazing things because God works in just through a few pennies and a widow in Luke 21, God will work through us. I'm going to go ahead and say a prayer and thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Will Portillo, and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or connect with us on Facebook at Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe for weekly sermons, encouraging news, and short devotionals. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time. Thank you.